Welcome to a new episode of the Leap of Faith podcast, a series of dialogues with courageous women who feel called to share their leap of faith, to inspire you, empower you, become still and ask yourself, am I still on the right path? Or is there, is there a different way that I don't see yet? And today I'm very pleased to introduce you to Tina Demeus. Tina is a master coach and facilitator who primarily works with international professionals who are willing to go the extra mile for their development and leadership. She takes a stand for living life from your core and leading from the heart. Tina has worked with people from all continents in one-on-one -on -one group and team formats. She has developed strong expertise on leadership development, team dynamics, diversity, and gender balanced topics. German by birth, since 1995, Tina lives in Canada, France, Italy, the UK, and now lives in Belgium with her husband, their three children, and a dog. In 2019, Tina ran for European Parliament, spurred by her own experience of leading a pan-European life and the belief that it will continue to bring great benefits for future generations. She lives and works submerged in German, English, and French, and is a, total, is a total bookworm, yet at her best when outdoors. Welcome, Tina, at the Leap of Faith podcast. Thank you, Marianne. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy Leap too. Leap of Faith. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember we thought, uh, I think there was like an email exchange and I was talking about Leap of Faith and you said, it rings a bell. So what was happening when you read my, my, my message? Yeah, well, I remember reading it and it just went straight to my heart. And mm. there were um, these uh, memories coming up that it like instantly that really uh, reminded me of my own leaps of faith um, in life. And so I just responded and said, well, I'd have a couple of things to share if you're interested. So, yeah. So, and that made me curious, of course, because I, I, I knew that, for example, you uh, uh, went for the European Parliament, but there was also an other leap of faith in your life, right? An, an earlier one. Yes, much earlier, actually. So um, the first really big leap of faith for me was when I, I was still living in the UK and had a corporate job and I, you know, I wasn't really very happy there. And, um, and so circumstances happened and my husband and I, we were supposed to move and um, move from, from London to Brussels. And basically uh, my employer, said that there was you know no opportunity for me to to keep on working for them and um and they didn't really want to um accommodate my wish for working part-time so we're talking 2003 here mm. um, and so i just had to decide what am i going to do am, am i going to bet on um staying safe or am I going to follow my heart and start my own business? And so I followed my heart and started my own business. 
Wow. Yeah. Following your heart. Big is, you know, leap of faith. <laughs> yeah. You know, we read it when we are, everybody's working in personal development. We always say you have to follow your heart, but then what, what does it mean? You know, what does it imply to follow your heart? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, and I was, I remember, um, I remember the conversation that I had at the time with the head of the department of my um, employer and her saying, so there was this opening in Brussels in the office that was a direct fit for me because I had basically held the same role in London for the previous year and it, it had been working really well. And uh, I said, well, this would be perfect. And it's, it's, uh, it's a part-time role really because the office was much smaller than the one in London. And, and she looked at me and she said, well, we don't do part-time. It's either all or nothing. And I remember so clearly the sense of, oh, there was something that just didn't feel right for me. And it was just in my heart where I thought, well, that, that just doesn't work for me. A sort of pretense full-time role that isn't really one, that just didn't feel right and so so my heart knew in that instance that that was not an option and the next no. day i handed in my resignation mm. yeah I'm, I'm i'm really intrigued by the words when she said we don't do part-time like we who is we like the system the company uh, like you have to fit in in what we want and, and your heart said no i don't want that right Yes, yes, yes. And you know, at the time, I mean, we're talking 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, were, yeah, the we was the system. The we was the organization. The we was, um, yeah, part-time, that's not done. And uh, no matter if it made sense or not, it wasn't questioned. And it just really, um, yeah, I don't know that the words are hard to, to describe, but I still feel it physically when I talk about it now. It just made me, it created distance. Yeah. So I think your body and your, your whole system reacted to something. And that's why you still remember that because your mind can make it up, but your, your body remembers exactly that moment when you decided, okay, this is going to be it. You know, I quit my job. Yes. Yeah. And it was a bit, um, I was a little sad because I had been very happy there um, in that year that I worked for this organization. And uh, it was a very fulfilling time and I had great colleagues and I really enjoyed working there. And um, so it, you know, I, it was not, um, I wasn't, I wasn't happy to go. If you see, no. you know, I was yeah. actually, I was a bit sad thinking, oh, well, it could have been really great. It could have yeah. been a win-win. Um, yes. And I also hear like the, the feeling of, you know, letting go of something 
you know and something you like and and being in that in-between period of okay i'm gonna do something new but i have no clue you know this period we call transition right yes and i and as you say and you don't have a clue i really didn't have a clue i mean i was <laughs> you know i really threw myself in at the deep end so i had um i had my um coach training, my coactive coach training. Um, I had completed that, but I wasn't certified. Um, I hadn't done anything other than coaching, you know, on the side in my spare time, parallel to my job. I didn't have a lot of experience. I just knew that I wanted to develop it further, mm -hmm. but I had no idea what that would look like. I had, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a strategy. <laughs> I didn't have anything. <laughs> and I was, it, I, all I had was this feeling that I knew it was the right direction. And it felt, um, it felt quite daring. And, and yet it felt really right. And, um, and I remember also another thing very clearly from that time was that my husband was super supportive and he said yeah sure just try we're moving we are starting a new life he hadn't lived in brussels for 15 years i didn't know brussels at all so it was mm -hmm. a total new beginning in a way um and he said yeah we we'll just see what happens and so he was very supportive and I remember the other spectrum of that, which was my father. Mm -hmm. So my dad, I remember telling him and him going really quiet on the phone. And, uh, and then he said, have you lost your mind? <laughs> yes, dad, <laughs> I have. <laughs> and I was just like, Hmm. Yeah, maybe I've lost my mind, but it just, you know, it's what but you found your heart. <laughs> Sorry, you found your heart. Yes, yes. And it was one of those very uh, clear defining moments of um, really writing my own story and um, doing it my way, rather than um, just, you know, following what maybe the the safe path um, would have been or the expected path or yeah, the, the path the path we learned from our parents from our teachers from our society and, and and i like what you say you know i i wanted to write my own story because you know i think this is the only way to to, to find fulfillment you know to create what you want instead of creating what others expect from you and that's what we are basically doing when we go to, to school, to college, uh, university and, and find our job. We are, you know, adjusting to what others expect from us, which is, you know, I think a good experience because at a certain moment, you know that you don't want that anymore, right? Yes, I, um, I think it's a journey. It is. You know, and it's, uh, it's a journey and you, you, you spoke about fulfillment and I think this is the side of fulfillment that um, 
that sometimes is a bit misunderstood because it feels a little radical. Because mm. it feels like all of a sudden, or maybe not so sudden, but I think in my case, it, it came across as quite sudden. Um, I was at this point where I said, well, this has served me well up until now, and now it doesn't anymore, and I let go of it. And so I alienated some people with that. Because mm -hmm. not everyone understands that decision or understood that decision that I actually wanted to do things my own way and not just be conform to whatever. <laughs> and, and so it, it feels a little, it felt a little radical at times. And, um, and I remember there were people who were very supportive. Um, and, you know, and now we're in 2020, I'm still here and my business is going well. So I think it was worth the trial. Um, but there were others that it felt like they were just kind of looking, observing, and wondering how long it would take until I failed. Yeah, and, and I, I, I also hear, I, I, you know, what I experienced that other people, they look at what you're doing and they are a bit afraid for you. So they are concerned, but it often expresses their own, you know, concern or the trust they have in themselves because it's like you are standing up as a, you know, as the person who you are and and i think many people long to do that but they just don't dare so they are observing you like okay hopefully this will work for her or maybe let's wait until she fails right is yeah. that what you're saying yeah well i think there's uh, th i think there are uh, there are both of those and probably others um other perspectives um and i i, I find it interesting as i because I think what also shows up in that, in the way that people um, observe, yes, there's concern, and that concern um, is voiced in different ways. You know, that it can come in like, wow, I, I really hope that you succeed, but um, don't you think you're taking an, a, a, an awfully huge risk or something, mm -hmm. you know? And then that, that feels different from, um, you know, that, that feels supportive. There is concern and this is clearly identifiable concern. You know, there, there's someone opposite you who, or, or talking with you who, is, who cares about you and about your well-being. And they're just hoping that it all goes okay and they're not quite sure that it will. Um, and, and then I think there is the other uh, extreme that might more sound like, yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Which is more like, okay, see you in a few months once you've banged your head against the wall <laughs> and, you know, you failed. And I think what is behind that is not so much uh, uh, bad wishes or intentions, no. or anything, but more maybe uh, at, the, at the essence of it, uh, a different way of of perceiving life and perceiving perhaps failure in particular, you know, is, is failing such a bad thing? And I think especially in Europe, oftentimes I find the, 
you know, you have to succeed. Yes. And um, it's, that's the kind of, I know it's, I know it's definitely true for Germany. If you, if you, if your business fails, you know, is that is. That's not a good sign. That's really not good. Whereas, you know, on the other side of the pond in the United States, the attitude is more like, well, you know, this business failed and I'll try again. Yes. So, you know. And, and you took a risk. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like the, what is your attitude towards risk and what's your attitude towards failing? And I think the willingness to fail is so important. Yeah in our in our growth and our development and certainly for me the the willingness to fail um and to to stand up again yeah and this is also what you're saying now beautifully you know the willingness to fail if you take a leap of faith like this there is almost this unwritten willingness to fail because you don't know if it if it will work out but your heart is really like saying do it right yes absolutely and you don't I, I mean i had no idea i've seen i've seen others um you know friends colleagues go a similar path um and and be much better prepared for it so you know i i'm definitely not saying that it's such a fantastic idea to do it all <laughs> totally unprepared um, but it was my way at the time, and I'm glad that yeah. um, that I followed it. And what has helped you to, to to build your business without having like a strategy, a business plan? What has really helped you? I think I'm at my best when I just put one foot in front of the other and trust that I will find ground to stand on. Mm. So I just, I really, I developed it step by step and I've really, I've tried many different things. I started um, working with individuals mostly, one-on-one -on -one coachings, did that for many years. Um, and then when I was ready, I went back into, into corporate life and, and I tried different, like, working as an associate coach with different organizations and with many of them I've worked for many years. Um, and so I always stayed open to opportunities that presented themselves and that felt right to me. Yeah, I think the last thing is very important that it felt right to you. And how, did, and how do you know when something feels right for you? What are the signs? Because I think our listeners would like to know that. Mm. So for me, it's, um, I've actually only learned that recently. I didn't know that it was this clear, but it, it's very much like with the email you sent. It had an immediate impact on me going, oh yeah. You know, inside I go, oh yeah. And I feel it in my body, how it feels. Great. Versus versus um, something that is going like, oh, maybe. And my head actually slightly tilts to the side. And I'm kind of thinking, 
hmm, I need to ponder over this. And most of the time, sometimes it turns out that actually I'll, I'll try it and it's a great decision then. But most of the time when I start going, oh, I need to think about that, it means that I, it's not a good fit. No. So it's, it sounds like you heard this internal yes firmly. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a good tip for the, for the listeners, you know. So if they are on this crossroad or there is an opportunity in their mailbox or whatever, that they really have to, to feel. So what's the first uh, response of my body, of my heart when I read this, when I hear, and, and not like you say, hmm, maybe I have to ponder upon it, and which is like an excuse for not saying no instantly mm. yeah and sometimes the no is equally clear you know it is yes um, and that is another thing that has served me over the years that once i noticed that you know a project or a collaboration or something didn't feel right anymore and it was not in my realm of influence to do anything about that and to change it in any significant way. Um, I always let go. And so, and that's another thing that has really served me because what I've learned from that is that I let go of something and that makes room for something new to come in and new opportunities to present themselves. There's a book which is called The Power of a Positive No. So this sounds like what you're describing here is a positive no, because it brings you to another yes, right? Yes, absolutely. It does. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, so let's take a step now to the other leap of faith, because I think, you know, the most important part is, is not about knowing everything about your career. Uh, but especially so what's behind taking a leap of faith, what are the signs, and I think you described that very well. And um, I remember your post, and I think there was a video on Facebook where you were announcing yourself as, uh, you know, ready to, uh, to run for the European Parliament elections because you said, I'm a child of Europe, and I'm so grateful of all the opportunities Europe gave me. And I was so touched by that because many people are only complaining about Europe. And this was for me like, you know, a different perspective. Like, why can't we be grateful being a child of Europe? And, and, and for you, it meant, you know, I joined a political party without having any political experience. So I'm really uh, intrigued by what made you decide to, to, to go in this direction? Yeah. That I, so it was not an entirely new thought. I had thought about becoming more politically active for many years, but you know, it was always like, Oh, you know, I had my second child, I had my third child, <laughs> I had my business. Life was taking over. You know, life was full. <laughs> and, you know, so, so it wasn't so new that I was politically interested, but it was really 
And I know that I have many colleagues who feel the same, many uh, colleagues who came into politics more recently, who have felt that um, Brexit was, you know, <laughs> Brexit for years, we've had it in the press every day, um, was really the moment where they said, wow, I need to step up to the plate, I need to do something. Um, and so it was for me, it, it was that moment when um, Brexit came through and um, more and more voices were sort of, it felt like the loudest voices were tearing Europe or the European Union apart. Mm. And it just pained me. Yeah, it pained you. It really pained me. I can't say it any other way. And the, the, what pained me most was knowing how much I had benefited from what we today know as the European Union. Um, and it broke my heart to think that maybe for my children and others, of course, that wouldn't be available anymore. And so I'm still, I'm still quite young, I'd say, I dare say, um, 46, but my parents were children of war. Mm -hmm. They were born in 31 and 34. So they were, they had real memories from the war years. And so I grew up with that knowledge, what war had actually meant for them and what it had cost them. And I remember, you know, so many instances of um, being grateful for what we have today in the EU, you know, all the freedoms we have. And so that was my motivator. It was just so clear. I was, I was just, um, it, all of a sudden the feeling was so strong that I said, okay, I need to do something. And again, I had no idea how to do it. I had no political experience. I wasn't even a member of a, par of a party um, at that time. And so that was the first thing I changed. I joined a party. That was the first step. Yeah, so again, you say, so you, you are taking a leap of faith because you have no clue. <laughs> uh, you never joined a party. And, and, but, but what you said in the beginning, you know, you felt pained by everything that was happening with the Brexit. So again, uh, just to make it clear to the listeners that you felt it really physically that you had to do something about it. And this was not a thing that happened in your mind. It's really like, you know, I have to put my heart over the fence in order to do something because I'm so grateful for Europe. And me too, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for, I even studied European studies hmm. back in, um, when was it? I finished in 1989 and it was really created to work in European uh, institutions and you know for me it felt like hope you know that there was hope for a, a greater Europe with peace and everybody working together a free European monetary unit I think freedom I, is one of my values and must be one of your values and yes. for me Europe represents freedom 
And I'm so, so happy to, to bring this perspective today in the podcast uh, that Europe initially, especially when it was founded, means freedom, no more war. Yeah. And, and you are standing up as a, yeah, a young woman compared to most people in politics, I think, <laughs> to, uh, to, do, to do your work, to, to follow your calling there. And that's really, yeah, I really admire that. That's why I wanted to talk about this. And um, I'm curious. Okay, you joined the party, the political party. And then what next? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I, I, um, I just followed my instinct. So I think the point here for the listeners might be learn learn about yourself when you know that you're on your on the right track you know so for me it was just like okay i want to talk to five people that are um here in brussels and i want to talk to them about this idea of being politically more active within uh, this chapter here and you know, in the party in general. And so that's where I started. And then also brought up the idea of um, relatively quickly, actually, of running for European Parliament. And so those were those were the first steps, just talking to people. And again, what struck me was um, a lot of people were um, supportive, mm -hmm. uh, carefully supportive, but supportive. And um, some were more rational about it, going like, well, how do you see that work in practice and this and that? And I didn't know, I couldn't answer that. So I was just like, mm, I'm going to think about that. <laughs> I don't know. But um, there were many who, out of those first few people I spoke with, who were uh, support so supportive that they recommended next steps for me. Mm. And they gave me ideas. And so then I followed those ideas that felt right, um, that spoke to me. And I'm usually not the kind of person who just cold calls people um but that was one of the things that i did at the time that i should contact so and so and so and so and do this and do that and so i i had never cold called that many people in my life before so and how was that <laughs> <laughs> well you know it it i think it was um uh it it was actually just fine i I I was struck by the by the generosity of people. Where was I? Um, the generosity of those people you called was really yes. like you know surprising for you. Yeah, so I was I was really um, touched by that the generosity of people. So it was easy to um, you know I, I I got introductions and and. I, I could refer to others and say, hey, so-and-so, 
suggested I should contact you and this is, you know, my question and do you have tips for me? And people were very um, supportive and I was, I really didn't expect that. And then there were some others that basically just said, again, I had, you know, I had lost my mind. If you lost your mind. Yeah, what I was doing or whatever. And of course that was true. I had no idea what I was doing. But, but, but I, I really like the, the deeper meaning of have you lost your mind? Because I never think about that. But it's true that at this moment, these moments where you made this like bold decision, you lose your mind or you let your heart prevail and then your mind follows, right? That's, that's how it is for me. Yes, I think that is uh, so true. There is a deeper meaning to losing one's mind. It's not the rationale that's in charge at that moment. And it's not the, it's actually a different, I think it's uh, like a different state of mind that sets in or a different part of our mind that sets in, you know, like there is what part is that yeah like body mind or spirit mind or you know there's there's this idea that there is the 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 mind that is our brain that's in our head but there's more mind and more wisdom in the rest of our bodies and in our emotions and in like our it's gut feeling yeah exactly and so so i think this saying uh, have you lost your mind is is meant for our brain mind yes so it, it, it's, it talks about our brain mind and and you know the sort of the perception of how we are meant to do certain things mm. and i think losing one's mind can be a really really good thing yeah it's liberating <laughs> It's very liberating. But it doesn't sound nice, you know. Have you lost your mind? Yeah. We don't want that, you know. We don't want to look stupid, etc. But, um, okay, getting back to your uh, journey uh, into running for the European Parliament. So you called some people. You didn't know them. But they were very generous in helping you. And, and, and what next? What else? Yeah, so... Um without going into too much detail of it. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened was that, so there is this um, chapter that is based here in Brussels, which is foreign chapter of our party. So I'm a member of a German party. Um, and we have this foreign chapter that is mainly based here in Brussels, but also basically every, everything outside Germany, all members outside Germany, who live outside Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, so, the first step was to actually be nominated candidate for this chapter. And compared to the rest of the party, this chapter is really small. And that is one of the things that I, I learned in the process. It's like the doubts that some people had were related to um, not me as a person, but to Again, the way the system works. Yeah, the influence of the, the party, the yeah. small party. And, and you know, and so, um, so the, the first step was to be uh, elected candidate here. And I managed to be elected candidate. Um, 
you know, with a great result of over 90%. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, and so that was the first step. And then the next step was to, um, to go on within the larger party. So then there is a convention, there was a convention a couple of months later where all European candidates of my party were basically presenting themselves and the party then assembles what is called the, the, the election list. Mm -hmm. And so basically you, you run to, to be nominee for a certain spot on the list. And given that my party is relatively small, um, if you're not quite up on the list, you don't stand a chance to get into European Parliament because we don't get enough seats. Mm -hmm. um, but so just to give you an idea of, there are like a hundred and over 170 people who ran for a spot on the list. Um, and so I'm, I managed to build alliances and, and uh, get um, people to vote for me um, so that I managed to end up on spot 15 of the list. Um, Which is quite a big achievement uh, if there are hundreds of people who apply yeah. for, that, for that list. And, and, yes. and with you having no prior political experience, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, what, is, what was really great about that, and I think that is one of the things that I'm most happy about, um, is that it had never been done before. No previous candidate out of our foreign chapter had ever uh, gotten below Spoda. I think... Yeah. So. Hundred. Yeah, you're right. You were writing your own story to, yeah, to, you know, to use your words. Yeah, and you know what? It's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about doing something or having forged a new path. Yeah. That is deeply uh, gratifying for me. And it's like now, next time you know, there are, there will be others out of our, our chapter that just might go in there knowing that, wow, actually we do have a chance to succeed, even though we are such a small chapter and we don't have many votes of the delegates, but it can be done. Yeah. And that is what, you know, I didn't end up in European Parliament and all of that, but that is something that I'm so happy about. Because in a way, it's part of how now the system has changed. Because it's not like it used to be. No, it, it's, it, it sounds like a, you were, you know, an example of like the new, let's call it a wind, a new breeze in the system. Like there's a different way of getting on this list for the greater goods because it's not what you say it's not about myself i'm here to serve the party i'm here to serve europe but you're also an example for new people who want to enter this list right yes I, that's what i hope for yeah mm -hmm. and what was your main learning by doing this you know this leap of faith <laughs> <laughs> um well trust my heart um, trust my intuition and um, 
and stay stick to the people who are supportive mm. you yes, know the, the critical voices have a uh, um, have merit it's not about ignore some of the some of the concerns that were voiced were really valid and very helpful but they are just i've treated them as a piece of information mm -hmm. but not as an ultimate truth and i i really um it's important to me to for me and to to follow uh, my heart i need to stick to the people who are with me. Yeah, there, there's, there's an older saying like, you know, surround yourself with people who uplift you. Yes. And that's basically what you're saying. And I think that's a very good tip for the listeners also, if they wanna do something, you know, exciting or scary, uh, like the example you are giving, that it's so important to surround yourself with people who support you because there is already enough, you know, voices in your own system, you know, like the, your inner saboteur who's saying you're not good enough, you can't do that, why, why you? So why, you know, being surrounded by people who are too critical? So I think that's, that's really good uh, advice for, for the listeners. Surround yourself, find people who support you, who believe in you. And... Um, can I just make a distinction here, Marianne? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm just, as I just listened to you um, playing that back, I really want to make a distinction. This is not about uh, being surrounded by yes-sayers. No. I this agree. is about people who um, surround yourself with people who, as you said, lift you up, who would believe in you, and who are... Uh, who you know will tell you the truth in a yeah. really supportive way, yeah. but not to just um, put you down. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I think that's very important. Yeah. When people tell you the truth and you know it's uh, in a supportive way, then it's helping you. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need to be surrounded by people who are draining your energy because they have their story about what you're doing. They're only trying to make you change your mind because of their own, you know, uh, of their own interest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So thank you for sharing this. Uh, like your, you know, your two beautiful stories and, uh, and the steps you made, the, the courage you took to take this step and to close this um, episode. Is there one thing you would like to say to the listeners who are, you know, asking themselves, am I still on the right path or is there a different way that I don't see yet about regarding your experience? What would you say to them?
I think it starts with knowing what it feels like when you are on the right path. And then every day looking for indications, when are you on that path and when are you off the path? And what are the indications? Um, I think that that's the part that, that everyone needs to know for themselves. So that's where I would point listeners. It's like, know what are your indications that are really yours, that you know from the journey of your life, what is it like when you are on the right path? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Who are you with? What's the atmosphere in your life? And mm. you might just have little moments, little glimpses of what that right path is. But the, like really, I think it's worth or journaling about them or writing them down in any way that works for you, create more awareness of what it's like. So it's like, look at the big picture first so that you know what your compass is. Mm -hmm. And the detail will come along the way. That's yeah. what I would say. Beautifully, thank you. That's, that's a real good summary and, and, and a great life lesson for the people who are listening. So thank you, Tina, for um, showing up today with me and sharing your experiences. It was really a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Marianne, for having me. The pleasure was all mine. And mm -hmm. I think you've created such a wonderful podcast. And um, really, I, I find it wonderful, the stake that you put in the ground for supporting people and particularly women, to trust their urges and follow their leap of faith. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.